we suppress our voices, you know, and and it is and a lot of times it's our black voice, you know, and and how we are mistreated and and in the industry and in dance music and all industries. I'm, I'm a little bit determined to kind of tear that down. Armed with supernova vocal prowess and an explosive stage presence, Kalina Zanders is one of the fastest emerging stars in music. Earning comparisons to 90s house vocalists like CeCe Peniston and Robin S. and even Whitney Houston, Zanders' existence brings the genre back to its queer black origins. In her short career, Zanders has collaborated with the likes of Breathe Carolina, Dropgun, Morgan Page, Sunburn, AC Slater, and Loud Luxury to name a few. Kalina Zanders has released tracks through the most notable dance labels, including Spinnin' Records, Armada Music, and Dim Mock. She's taken the mic at major festivals, including Coachella, EDC, and Snow Globe, and has been highlighted as the cover star for editorial playlists for both Spotify and Tidal. Zanders' biggest hit to date, Stronger Than I've Ever Been, premiered in a Toyota spot during Super Bowl 52. The track scored syncs with the 2018 Winter Olympics, America's Got Talent, Fox, VH1, and many others. It was even featured as the theme for the Women's US Open with Serena Williams and Naomi Osaka. Next up, Xanders is focusing on the release of her debut EP, Exit US. The five-song collection kicks off with a November release for Reload, a funky, soulful track that doubles as an impassioned solution to police brutality and gun control. The rest of the EP combines the musical titan's effortless genre-bending abilities with socially conscious lyrics that reflect present times, with topics like owning your female power and the music industry's drug problem on Remedy. In her free time, Xanders flexes her visual abilities through her Go Off Studios, a production house she co-founded with fellow Los Angelino Vanessa Michaels. Without further ado, from Here to Wear podcast, welcome Kalina Xanders. Mm. So we are recording. All right. So let's hope it doesn't fuck up. Yes. <laughs> yes. Let's hope not. Okay. It won't. I think we could just go for it. Okay. Okay, hello, hello, welcome Hi. back. Hello. Um, I am here today with a full-on badass, singer, songwriter, producer, composer, boss babe, goddess, Kalina Zanders. What's up, girl? Hello, how are you? I'm so good, I'm glad to be talking with you. I mean, yes. I think this is gonna be a dope interview, I'm so excited. Um, just some background, we'll get uh, people caught up to speed on who you are. Mm -hmm. You've been a fundamental part of some of the biggest dance music tracks in the world. Earlier this year, you were slaying the cover of the Dance Rising playlist on Spotify. Four months, congratulations. <laughs> thank you. Thank uh, you your thank music you. has been featured in commercials for the Super Bowl and Winter Olympics. Per your mm -hmm. Instagram, you are a self-proclaimed EDM whoopie Goldberg and yes. future Tracy Chapman. <laughs> so despite the world being shut down, you've been putting out music, you're continuing to crush it. So yes. catch us up to speed. You know, people who don't know who you are, what are you doing and kind of describe your music? Yeah. Um, as you know, or maybe, maybe if you're just tuning in now and my name is Kalina Zanders and I currently do dance music and it's uh, soulful and I do a lot of house vocals, but kind of since quarantine and kind of all the protests and everything that's been happening, um, I've been taking a new direction with my music and I decided to in the upcoming releases put out more meaningful music and not that not to say dance music isn't meaningful but the content is a little bit more for now and like you know I have a song about police brutality and gun violence and things I've seen and experienced with it and you know trying to find solutions a lot of positive like some ballads and um, some like rock and funk songs and yeah that's like that's kind of like where my heart and soul is anyway 
I'm kind of going back to those roots in a little bit and it feels nice. And, you know, dance music is kind of on hold because we don't have any festivals. So it makes sense. Yeah. Your style is kind of evolving. I think people are yeah. really using this time to, you know, step back and maybe do something different, which yeah. is cool. So yeah, it's great. Honestly, it's wonderful. Would you say most of your fan base is dance music and they're surprised to see you moving into new ventures or describe those fans that you have? Well, I think my fan base is pretty open because, um, I think my voice is, it's big and it's soulful, but yet it still has some sort of pop elements, a lot of things that people love. So I think, and also I did the ballad um, that was in the Super Bowl and the Winter Olympics and that aired in like 80 countries and, you know, picked up, you know, some amazing fans from that as well. And so I don't think that, I think if I do, whatever I'm going to do is going to be all right. You know, I'm not too concerned about what, people expect, but I, I really just want to give people great music, mm -hmm. you know? Yeah. Crossing genres. And I think bringing yeah. people together. Yeah. Definitely. That's exactly what I want. That's like simple. That's, that's all I want. And I think what yeah. makes your voice so distinct is that it really pops in, you know, dance music. And it's kind of like that yeah. secret ingredient, the secret sauce that yeah. sounds so different. It is yeah. soulful. It's passionate, emotional, and you don't necessarily hear that in all of the dance songs. Yes. So, yeah. I'm curious, you know, in your opinion, um, you know, most of the stuff, I feel like that you've worked on in the past has been dance music. In your opinion, you know, what is that genre for people who aren't familiar with this? I feel like it's a genre that's possibly defining our generation. You know, to you, what does that mean and how did it originate? Dance music, I kind of came into late in 2015, late considering all the people who, you know, have been to festivals and raving. Like I was so new to it. Looking, looking at it now, and even the research that I've done, you know, I know that it comes from black culture and it comes from gay culture. So, you know, I'm all those things. And so it's probably a natural, a natural union that that happened and, and something that people are are subconsciously or consciously aware, you know, of the contributions that black people and gay people have made to music. So do you see it reflected in, you know, because EDM has kind of a bad reputation sometimes for being a little bit whitewashed and yeah. male dominated. So yeah. do you feel like it's being accurately reflected, I guess? When I started getting in dance music, I think I wasn't even aware at first, but now deep into it, I definitely can see the imbalance, you know, in culture. And there are a lot of like, you know, white dudes, you know, doing, taking over, you know, mm -hmm. the the style and, and kind of exploiting it, which is not bad, but because it's nice that it's popular and it's nice that it's being pushed to a lot of different cultures, but you know, the respect and the, and paying homage to where it originated, that needs to be discussed more, I think, mm -hmm. and maybe more collaborations in that, you know, and, and also pay scale, like, you know, some, some DJs get paid, you know, thousands and thousands of dollars. I mean, I know, I know things might have changed now because of, you know, uh, quarantine and COVID and all these crazy things that have been happening. But, um, previously they're, you know, they're at the top of the food chain when like, let's say like me, a vocalist, a black vocalist, you know, I, I make their song and they get tons of streams and radio play, but you know, and they're on tour and they're making tons of money, but you know, where does that leave me? You know? Right. So right. that there is a, 
imbalance. There is a, there has been, you know, the, the people at the top of the food chain just keeping it at the top of the food chain. And that isn't, but it needs to be spread around for sure. Definitely. Yeah. So the moment that you saw yourself on the cover of, you know, Dance Rising for, you know, quite a bit of time, I feel like yeah. all summer. Yeah. How did that feel? I mean, to be seen and recognized. Yeah, it felt, it, f- it felt uh, surreal. I felt I got a lot of chills, a lot of tears and, um, uh, it felt like a long time coming because, you know, I've been in dance music for a little over five years and, you know, having some of the biggest songs, you know, every summer and people still not understanding or connecting it and knowing that that's me, you know. So when that happened, people people started to hit me up and they're like, oh, my God, like you're the girl that sings my favorite song, mm-hmm. you know, from you know this time period. Or I was going through this and I oh, my God, it's so nice to put a face to, you know to the song. It was a big summer for the Black Lives Matter movement. So I'm curious in your opinion, you know, how that has occurred, you know, within the bubble of the music industry. Mm -hmm. In your eyes, you know, has there been progress or an awakening? It seems like there are some Band-Aid fixes here and there, but a lot of change needs to happen. Definitely. I mean, I even went through a lot of, I didn't realize I was even suppressing myself a lot too, trying to make, trying to survive in the industry. And, and, um, you know, sometimes you don't do or say certain things or even stand up and for what you believe in, because you want to make sure that you can pay your rent and, you know, be, uh, just kind of a middle of the road musician. I don't cause any friction, you know, type Mm -hmm. of thing. And I think that was kind of a big wake up call for me. We suppress our voices, you know, and, and it is, and a lot of times it's our black voice, you know, and, and how we are mistreated and, and in the industry and dance music and all industries, you know? So I think this time period empowered me a lot to speak up and also take care of myself in the right way and not just like be, and not be desperate. Not that I ever really was ever desperate. I've never, I've never really been that way, but in the times that I've maybe second guessed or questioned myself. I'm now, I feel like I stand more in my truth because, you know, there's like a a global awakening of all the oppression that has been going on. Not, not, and it's all slight too. It's Mm -hmm. some, I mean, some of it's extreme. Most of it could be extreme depending on where you live. I've been thankful to live in Los Angeles and California and all my friends are multicultural. And, you know, it's, uh, I have a really beautiful time. You know, I'm thankful for everything that, that, goes on in my life but those small little instances where you are um it's not always explicit it's not always so obvious yeah yeah correct yes yes so i'm curious you know what i mean people probably look to you and feel empowered because you are so inspiring and commanding and confident you know but it's interesting to hear how you say you know you're also empowered and you're learning as well Mm -hmm. um i'm curious you know what are those obstacles that you went through you know those slight things that weren't so obvious and um well, kind of a Luna George, she said it best in one of her posts during this time is that she's often an accessory to these big DJs, you know, who take, you know, their their music or their voice and then do what they do, you know, um, not I mean, obviously it's with consent, you know what I mean? Like, mm-hmm. But still to be a collab, you know, to be yeah, an artist or to but it's like usually you're the side artist, you're the feature artist and and, you know, you're really creating and making these guys careers and sometimes you just feel like you're you're like left to the side or not helped by the industry like when you want to put out like a single of your own or you know just just all of it It, it's there's a lot of like protocol and pecking order I'm, I'm a little bit determined to kind of 
tear that down a bit mm-hmm. and not not even in a way like I'm gonna do this but it's just it doesn't feel good to be to to be under people or to I don't mind being a feature artist I've been thankful that you know I've been very much uh performing and people see me but mm-hmm. it's when people try to take advantage of you as a side artist you know as a feature artist well a lot of times people are like I think of like my mom for example who yeah. knows barely anything about the music industry and mm-hmm. she just doesn't get it so she's like who are these vocals and mm-hmm. so this is this person's song but like who's the girl singing yeah. and there needs to be a shift and like no we need yeah. to recognize the vocalists yep. because that's like the meat of the song. Yep. You know, it's getting better. Honestly, it's, it has changed even in the last, you know, I would say even four, four to three years, I've been noticing more vocalists being more vocal Mm -hmm. and present and seen. And we've been definitely fighting a fight that we fight, you know, like this behind the scenes fight to just, just to have our song next to the DJ in the credits on Spotify, you know, just something as simple as that. And, uh, which makes all the difference for when someone is looking at, Oh, who sings this song? Oh, there it is. You know? Yeah. And, And so, yeah, we, a lot, there's been quite a few of us. I know this girl named Cara and, uh, Halian, and uh, yeah, Aluna George, she's obviously amazing. A, a lot of people have been fighting to to be. A lot of women have been. It's a lot of women usually, um, because the old the term top line comes from an old school uh, record label um, like exec thing. Like, oh, go get the girl, go get the top liner to uh, get on this track. Like, is very kind of almost derogatory. Was what top line means, hmm. which is sometimes why. You know, I would like to change that narrative. I understand where it is. It's it's you know relatively okay, but it it wasn't always looked at. Top line is not necessarily uh, an empowering thing. Mm-hmm. It's just like, oh, go get the girl. We'll go go get the girl. Put her on the track, and then uh, we'll make we make track. You know, like that. So I mean, you have to kind of put on this body of armor. I feel like when you get into this industry, because for you, I mean, you're a woman. You know, mm-hmm. you're queer. You're black. You. It's like, yeah. You know, how has that been to? push through that are the women kind of united and what is that like building trust and creating a circle it's it's been good and it's been challenging to kind of unite because once you get your own steam and your own credits and things you just want to keep it so bad mm-hmm. you know what i mean and, and I'm, not, I'm not necessarily speaking for myself i'm just i just know that like you just want to stay on top and you're like i you know vocalists are the you they're not like seen that much so like whatever i get is what i'm gonna get and so you become a little bit like a hoarder you know what Mm -hmm. i mean i think we could be more united more vocalists could be more united i think um it's interesting because uh, a lot of the dynamics the behind the scenes of the music industry it's Mm -hmm. very cutthroat and competitive among artists Mm -hmm. however the fan base it's competitive among like different genres and subgenres of the fan mm-hmm. base, but you see the festivals and you see the music bringing people together. Mm-hmm. But behind the scenes, it's often pretty competitive, and especially mm-hmm. with streaming industries that kind of run and monopolize the yes. in- industry. Yeah. So I'm curious, from an artist standpoint, you know, what is that relationship? like working with these giants because you mm-hmm. have to work with them in order to get your music discovered. Yeah. But is it fair? It definitely has not been fair fair. I I would say that I have been thankfully in a position where I've worked with artists who or DJs really who have great connections with, you know, these streaming services. So um and I tend to only do work with artists who have good relationships with streaming services because I know that I'm like the lowest on the totem pole, you know, quote unquote. And I, I know that 
I will, won't get nearly as much money as they would. You know what mm-hmm. I mean? So I definitely have to always look at, look out for myself in that way. It's and like a, a balancing act. Like yes, walking it is. on a tightrope. It know? is. Like, yes. Because it's like, you have to think about your, this is my livelihood. This is my, the back end of what I need to, I need to, you know, it's a survival. It's my job. So, you know, it's, it, but it's definitely unfair. It's unfair because there's so much good music out there. And then, you know, you have a small group of people picking only, you know, the small amount of songs. That so, get on the playlists. Correct. To yes. discover the music. Yes. And it's definitely not, definitely not fair. And I'm not even sure how to, what the solution would be just yet. But I think I, I do feel changes coming because just because it's, it's, happening all around, you know? And it's a system that's kind of, you know, it's a a money-making business. So it's a system that's set up to favor the most successful artists, which unfortunately are mostly the more established like white men in the EDM music. Totally. And so it's harder and there are more barriers to entry for newer artists, you know, female artists, black artists, queer Mm -hmm. artists to get their names out there. Yep. But things are changing because there aren't any live shows for people to stand on their soapbox and you know what I mean? There aren't any like any groups gathering, elitist groups gathering or, you know what I mean? It's just like, what do you do now when you don't have the, the facade and the, you know, all of the, the lights and all of that, who are you after that? And I think that's what the industry, especially dance music is trying to figure out uh, is how do we still stay on top? You know, what it, forces everyone to do is be more collaborative, not necessarily with music, but collaborative with ideas and how do we keep music alive and dance music alive. Especially when the world shuts down and you can't go to the festivals and you can't have those money-making opportunities. It's kind of the bare bones, the roots of, you know, the quality of the music. Yeah. And also your work ethic too. Like how are you adapting, you know, all of that. A big part of your identity is your sexuality. You've performed Mm -hmm. at LA Pride Festival. You talk pretty openly about being a black queer woman. The Stronger Than I've Ever Been music video, that was for the Super Bowl and Toyota, right? Yeah, and the Winter Olympics, yes. And for those who haven't seen the music video, I mean, it's epic. It's so emotional. It's speaking directly to young LGBTQ people who struggle coming out to, you know, their families about their sexuality. Mm -hmm. So tell us more about that because, I mean... That was so emotional. Anyone who hasn't seen the video, go watch it. It's a beautiful song. Mm-hmm. I got chills. I got tears in my eyes. Right on. Tell me about that that video and that process for you. Even though it's told from a male's perspective, uh, I had a lot of a lot of trouble coming out when I was younger, and I definitely didn't. It, and even when I came out, it was kind of like by accident, and it wasn't the best road even after. So you know, um, that's kind of like what it's about. It, stronger than I ever been is like you, you know, I'm like strong during this process, but you know, I am going to get knocked down because I was, I was not to blame it on like my parents or anything, but my mom, she, you know, she had a difficult time, mm-hmm. you know, finding out that I was liking the ladies, you know what I'm saying? <laughs> she had a really hard time. And that as a, you know, as a result, it, it made me have a hard time. So and especially when my mom had high expectations of me, well, for what, you know, she planned and, and it's just, it's difficult, you know? Well, I think a lot of people can relate to that, that yeah. story and, you know, mm-hmm. using your platform as a way to start a conversation and to yeah. encourage others. Yeah. I, I want I've always wanted to be, um, like a voice or an inspiration for people. You know, I feel like there's nothing else to do here. <laughs> 
yeah. here on the planet, you know? So tell me more about that, like self-discovery phase of your life, mm-hmm. um, you know, with your sexuality, with your talent, with your mm-hmm. passion for this, you know, going back to those childhood roots, mm-hmm. did you know you were always like destined for music or explain that discovery? I process? personally didn't know, but my, everyone around me knew, like, apparently I used to sing all the time, like, like like nonstop. Like I used to just like talk, sing, you know what I mean? And like, I guess there's a story where one time I like was, we were on the way to Vegas, but it was like a long, long ride. And I was singing the whole time. Like I didn't even take a nap. And then like, everyone was like getting, getting like, um, annoyed, but they didn't tell me anything because they didn't want to like stop my voice. You know what I mean? Cause you don't want to like stop a kid's voice. So like it was, I thought that was pretty cool. And, um, so yeah, I mean, I was kind of clueless on the whole thing and I, I didn't understand why my aunt would have me get on the table and sing like twinkle, twinkle, little star, you know? And I was like, what is, what is wrong with everyone? Why do they want me to sing so bad? So you were always a performer. Oh, yeah. Always I mean, performing. You were just like, yeah. you know, for your parents, for yeah. your friends, just ever since you were a kid. Yes. And my mom put me into musical theater when I was like eight and Again, I didn't understand why. I was like, why does she want me in, the, you know, in this? And the then, parents sometimes can see obviously, yeah, what the kids can't. Totally. So. so, yeah, I did a lot of like funny little performances and things. And was there any part of you that was hesitant to do you know, something that was different? I feel like a lot of us were told in the school system, you can be a doctor or a lawyer or a business person. And mm-hmm. to pursue a path like music, was there any ever fear or hesitation? No, no, there wasn't any fear or hesitation. Um Partly because in high school, I, I wanted to be an engineer because I thought that, um, I don't know, I thought it was cool. So I didn't even really think about even a career path for music until way later in my life. I didn't I didn't have any aspirations to do music like in a in a career as a career. But um, and then I wanted to do radio, television, film and kind of get into hosting and things like that. But then, you know, that's just it was just like a cool hobby, passion thing. And then I was in a play and college and then they asked me to sing in the play and then I don't know I just made the connection that I was like okay I can start doing this as a career and then I don't know kind of went around that and got into a band and just kind of yeah I kept going after that so being different didn't really scare you but Mm -mm. in terms of um you know coming out to your family how how did that kind of come to be I mean that journey well actually I knew pretty early on like when I was a kid, I knew that I like girls like hard out, but um, I always just knew to like never say anything about it because um, I don't know. I don't know why a kid always knows to keep secrets. Hmm. Um, you know, they, you just know you're like, my parents are not going to like this, but, um, but yeah, I don't know. I just kept it quiet. And then I guess because a lot of the things you yeah. see as a child are like, you know, man and woman and you, oh, probably, yeah. you think that this is wrong or it's not okay because yeah. of a lot of the culture, unfortunately, that yeah. we're, we're seen as children. Yeah, that makes sense. Yeah, you don't see any examples yeah. of two girls together. Yeah, that's true. So, and then and then um, it kind of happened. I was kind of dating dating this girl. I don't know. Who, do you really date in high school? I don't know. But um, I was, I, I brought her home to my house and then we were kissing and then like basically someone walked in on me and that's how like my stepdad that's how they found out i was i was uh, into the girls so that was interesting actually at first it was fine but then it was like then it became a shock you know yeah what i mean at first it was like okay how are we gonna deal with this and then it was then my mom just couldn't handle it advice you would give to someone who was going through that and feeling nervous or apprehensive you know they want to tell their parents they want to 
you know, not live in fear anymore, you know, yeah. what would you tell them? I guess the one thing is, is to dive into your artistic passions, honestly, because I remember during that time when I was having time, hard time communicating to my family and people just in general, Mm -hmm. you know, I started playing the piano outside, like we had a piano in the garage and I started to, um, I started to just play and play and play. And that became some sort of like release for me. Mm -hmm. And then that's kind of like where it sparked the music passion, I think. Yeah. And, um, and then I used to write a lot like journal, and um, then I started like learning how to play guitar and all these different things. So I would say if if you have a hobby or a passion for anything arts, then dig into that because it's you can't control your parents reaction. You can't control anyone's reaction at all. And it might be the worst reaction, you know, but and I know kids are sensitive and but if you can find something that can help you find something constructive mm-hmm. and artistic and beautiful like those things will keep you grounded and will see see you through the short years you are with your parents you know what i mean like because yeah. ideally you go after 18 you move out yeah a lot of yeah. times you feel nervous because you don't want to mm-hmm. let someone down that you know loves you and has provided for you but correct you know at the same time you need to live your truth and be your authentic self and i think nothing feels more liberating than being yourself yep and true doing that um so when people see you i mean they just see of course you were a natural performer ever since you were a kid, you know, Mm -hmm. singing and doing all of that. Mm -hmm. I mean, watching videos of you on stage, you were so commanding and confident. I'm curious, how did you uh, grow into that? I mean, was that always natural or that stage presence? Describe Um, that. It's weird because I remember being really shy when I was a kid and like, but there was something in me that always liked to perform to, to people. But like, if you ask me any questions or if you like, asked me to perform like I wouldn't I'd be like I'd be terrified you know um but like all my little friends I'd always like you know goof around and like perform like stand on like the bench at like in uh recess and stuff and like sing any song that I like a Whitney Houston song seal song or like a rap song like I would just stand and just like rap it (laughs) or sing it you know and um not even really understanding or like making the connection that I I was performing. It's just something I, I just did, you know? So I think, I think you, it's just in me. It's in you. Yeah. But also, I mean, I was just watching the video of you. I think it was 2019, the pride and just like oh, yeah. bringing people together and how you speak to the audience. I mean, oh, yeah. it's just like a magnetism. It's so yeah. cool. Thank you. Thank you. It yeah. sucks. We can't do that right now though. I mean, yeah. COVID and we're not performing. I mean, well, yeah, not to people in that, that way, but I've been doing a lot of live streams and I've gotten used to them and I really do like them now. Yeah. It's cool. It's a unique perspective. And a lot of times you pre-record them. So if they're like on Twitch, you can like see people commenting and like, mm-hmm. you know, comment back and it's interesting. I like it. So I'm curious what's next for you. I mean, what, I mean, what's in the works to come? I mean, we're in such a weird time right now, but yeah, I actually, I'm going to be releasing a lot of music still. Um, I have a collab with bright lights and candy and one with young bay and party people's coming out and uh and then my own solo stuff and it'll be my solo stuff for maybe more than maybe like three months Mm -hmm. you know um and then music videos and um more music more more music you know um ideally some tv and film stuff and um yeah me and my man i just picked up 
two managers who I love and I've known for a while. And then we're like, hey, let's do it. Let's do it together. So that's been nice to have a support. So I'm I'm sure they'll have a lot of things for me to to do and create and innovate. Yeah. Yeah. Definitely. So I'm curious. I always ask this question in all of my interviews. Um, you know, if you could go back and tell your younger self, like maybe if you were starting your career, like a few years ago, if there was one piece of advice, you could go back and literally look at yourself, like your younger self, shake her by the shoulders. Mm. What would you say? I would say, Kalina Zanders, you should start playing the guitar at five years old. <laughs> <laughs> go back in time and do it. Yeah. that's And maybe like be a kid actress. Ooh, yeah, I like that. That's those are the only two things I would say. So, how can people get in touch with you if they want to obviously like get you in the next Marvel movie or just like listen to your music? How do they get in touch with you? Um, you can find me at at Kalina Zanders on Instagram and Twitter and and TikTok. I, I've changed my name to just my full name because it used to be Kalina Z, but just Kalina Zanders. And I'm on YouTube. Literally, just you can just Google Kalina Zanders. I'm the only Kalina Zanders in the world. The and one, the only. Yeah. Can't replace her. Yeah. Well, I mean, literally, there's no other Kalina Zanders. There's like, I've looked several and there's only one. So that makes sense. Yeah. So I'm excited and stoked about it. I'm on Spotify, Apple Music, um, Tidal, like every single internet type of thing. I fucking love your music. I'm so excited. Thank you for having me. Yeah, thank you. Thanks for listening to the From Here to Wear podcast. If you like this episode, please hit the subscribe button and you can get more info about me at the Sarah Trot on Instagram and my website, sarahtrotmedia.com. Stay safe. Love you guys.